Okay, we're going to get started here, so some good commotion in the room. Um, I'm sorry to be that guy, but I'll get you to make your way back to your seats. And, uh, and again, welcome to everybody online. Uh, my name is Sean, one of the pastors, and it's great to have you here as well. You're part of the church family through a video camera today, which is all right. Now, how many of you have had a good week? Everybody's had a good week somewhat? You know, like you're going to get a lot of answers. My week was, uh -huh, you know, some, like a little bit. Let me just share a little bit about my real uh, first world problems and uh, with you. Number one, I mean, uh, the mask thing was a big deal, actually. Uh, it's super neat to see um, your faces today who are in the room. The best part about this, Pastor Tyson, Pastor James, like now we're going to see if people are with us or not when we're preaching. Like they, we're going to see their faces. And I think that that mask is going to remove the barrier and they're going to start talking again. Like this is going to be a good thing. Yes? Amen. Okay, this is good. The bad part of my week was Russell Wilson was traded from the Seattle Seahawks, and it just shattered my world, okay? So, but we're going to get there. We're going to deal with it. Uh, you know what? We're, we're loving what God is doing, and he is on the move. Yeah, no, no, no. We're not going to do that. <laughs> so we're excited, you know, for what's, what's taking place. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you before, but um, have you ever had um, a, a person stand on a stage, or perhaps it's through a podcast, and you've listened to something they said a really long time ago, but you never lost the message in your head? Like, it stuck with you. There was just something that somebody said. And one of those moments happened for me a, a, a number of years ago where this really young pastor kind of got up onto the stage and started to communicate to us. And this is what this pastor was trying to do and to call out of us. And, and they, they said this, tell me your top three priorities. So I want you into your heads right now. I want you to place the top three priorities of your life. What would you say would be the top three priorities that you would follow in your life? And I think many of us are able to identify perhaps three to five, perhaps a little bit more, but specifically the three. And it caught my attention because I can identify the three things that I think would be um, my priority in my life. And then this young pastor also said, now make a line uh, on your piece of paper. And what I want you to do is right on the top of that other line, I want you to write the word time. And so we did. And then he made this unbelievable connection, which was this. And he asked us to look at how much time we actually did give to what we called the priority. And it was kind of one of those oh no moments. When you realize, I say a lot of good conversation, where I talk about a really good game of priority. But when it actually comes to my calendar and to my schedule, I suddenly realize like, oh no, maybe that's not my priority in this season of life. That young pastor was Tyson Stare for me. Forever impacted something in my trajectory of wanting to be and to know Jesus. And I'm going to ask you today, what would you say are your priorities? And yet more importantly, how much time do you truly give to those priorities? Now being that we're a church, one of those priorities that you should say is what? God should maybe be a priority. And we suddenly realize that when it comes to our schedules, when it comes to the things that are happening around us, maybe that God conversation of priority is a really good talk, but do I live up to those moments? And today we want to investigate perhaps what that could look like. So a quote that I would like to share with us right off the top comes from 
this gentleman named Thomas Merton, and he says this, that there is a pervasive form of contemporary violence, activism, and overwork. The Russian pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form, of its innate violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything, is to succumb to violence. It kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Interesting. Now, I would make this statement to all of us today. Life is chaotic, yes? Life is absolutely chaotic. But if you had a foolproof solution to sustain you, let me ask you, would you take it? Foolproof solution in chaos, would you take it? This is what we'd like to explore this morning as we look at the Word of God. And to do that, I'm going to turn to James chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. And if you don't have your Bibles, good news is for you. It will be on the screens for you anyway. But let's take a look at what it says. It says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I love these words. It says, come close to God and guess what happens. And God will what? He'll come close to you. So wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. But I love this. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Come close to God and guess what's going to happen? God is going to come close to you. So if in your chaotic life, if you had a foolproof solution to sustain you through those moments, would you take it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. And I ask that you would now use these moments to help us learn more about you and learn how I could be more like you. I ask today that in the topic we're about to discuss, you will teach us, Holy Spirit. Allow us to see nothing less than what God needs from me. And I ask that you would be gentle with these moments too as we study and we learn together. We understand that there is nothing in this world when it comes to the topic of shame that has to do with you. And so if shame wants to um, lift its ugly head today, I ask that we would speak to the lie right now in Jesus' name and tell that lie to go. Because you have a truth for us today that we need to embrace, to imitate, and then to walk out in obedience. So thank you for these moments. We pray that you'll be with us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So emotional, healthy spirituality. This is the series that we have been in over the last several weeks. And uh, we're talking about our discipleship and our journey in and with Jesus. And I got to tell you, in full admission, that these last number of weeks have been pretty hard. Anybody else agree with me with that? Like these topics that we have tackled are pretty heavy. I mean, we've talked about past hurt. We've talked about trauma. We've talked about grief. We've talked about your masks. We've talked about your walls. We've talked about your backpacks. And it's like, are, will you just lighten up just for a moment some of the things? It has been that heavy for us. And because of that, we all understand that there have been many rhythms that have been knocked right out of us 
when it comes to these things that I have just mentioned. And it's left many of us confused and bewildered, asking God, where are you? Are you still good to me? Do you still love me? We have seen so many things around these topics. The conversation has been great. I've really enjoyed the continue the conversations that we have had on Tuesday and Wednesday nights, listening to people wrestle and grapple with this idea that this life is hard and rhythms have been knocked out of us. And as we were leading to this morning, I quickly realized again that today is more countercultural than I actually thought it was going to be in this message that we are going to talk about. I mean, we are familiar with the, with the image of a, of a fish swimming upstream, right, against the current and the fight that is real. One of the things that we don't talk about is the bear that's also standing there ready to eat it, like at that moment. But this is what this message is. We are swimming upstream. We are swimming against the current, but it is something that we need to embrace when it comes to our emotionally healthy spirituality. In fact, I'm going to propose today that our overproductivity has become counterproductive. Our overproductivity has become counterproductive. It has made us lost. In the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Cesaro uses an illustration that I found very helpful. And he says this, that meteorologists in our culture today counsel people. And, and not in the psychology context that we would understand it to be, but they counsel people in this regard when it comes to weather. Because there are places in our world, and Canada included, where we will get these unbelievable snowstorms. And so the counsel that meteorologists will give to the people who live in these regions is that when you, in the middle of a storm, need to go outside, you need to get to the farm, to the animals, to whatever may be there, they suggest that you would take a long rope and you would attach it to your house so that when you begin to walk away from the house and you become disoriented and the storm takes you away, what you could do is you could hang on to that rope and it will take you back home. It's brilliant counsel as to what can happen when life gets chaotic. When life gets a little bit uneasy and a little bit unsettling, you follow the rope home. Again, if you had a foolproof solution to sustain you in the storms of your life, let me ask you, would you take it? Would you take that rope that would happen in our lives? One of the favorite things that I love to do actually, is uh, head down to the lagoon here in our city. And I love to, uh, I've got a chair in the back of my vehicle, so if the weather is, is good, I'll pull that chair out, I'll just go sit on the beach. Um, oftentimes, it's, a, it's a, a moment for me to talk with God, listen to God, but you want to know one of the things that I absolutely love about that moment is I love the sound of the ocean smashing against the seashore. It is beautiful, the wave after wave, but the one thing that catches my attention in that is this, this word called rhythm. Like, I love the pounding moment after moment. And you notice that when something knocks it off of rhythm, whether it's a seal coming up or it's a, horn, like, or it's a child, like, you understand even the rhythms, but I love rhythm. I, I was going to get Pastor Josh to come up and play, like, a, you know, an old folksy drum line, maybe, uh, about, and I was going to try to sing the words Amazing Grace, and all of you would be completely appalled and disgusted at how much of our rhythm was off because we understand that when rhythm is disrupted, it's disorganized. Order. It's not fun. It's not easy to listen to. But when rhythms are in order, we know this that flow is going to take place and not disorder, but order will happen. 
That's why I love sitting down at the lagoon. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore, again, some of those rhythms, those ropes that need to come into our life today to sustain us when things of this life do not go well. And today, what we want to do is I want to, with us, establish that our trust in God needs to happen by doing this one thing, by stopping and letting him be God. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop it. Stop. It's interesting that our Lord himself did something really unique on day seven of creation. Six days, smashed out this whole entire thing that we see. And then on the seventh day, it says that he stopped. And what did he say? It is good. Our own creator stopped. Jesus himself, when he walked this earth, stopped several times as he needed to understand the rhythm and the flow of what the Creator had given to us. And I want us to see that if our Savior, our Father, did that, is this point, that our imitation of God is an act of discipleship as well. And it is an act of discipleship, especially when we come to this idea of stopping. And we have to practice this. So I'm going to present to you two rhythms and two ropes today. The very first one, and you're going to see this on the screen, is this context called the daily office. The daily office is a word that comes from the Latin word, and it means opus or work. Um, perhaps you will remember the, the good old film in 1995, I think it was, Mr. Holland's Opus. Do you remember this? And what it means is that there is a work at play. And so when it comes to this rhythm and holding on to this rope of daily office, this is what we're trying to establish with us today, is that this is the work of God. That if you were to apply the rhythm of daily office in your journey every single day, you too will be doing the work of God. Now, the daily office is something that is a little bit different than what we would typically call our morning devotions. Uh, those moments where we read the Bible, where we stop and maybe we pray. Please understand that those are good things. Keep doing that. In fact, I would say that that is an expectation that God has of us anyway taking that time. But what we are talking about today is just is something a little bit different and is something a little bit added to because what it is, it comes down to a daily remembrance of God. The best way to explain daily office to us today is this, and you'll see this quote on the screen, but the root of daily office is, is not so much a turning to God to get something, but to be with someone. So what we're looking at, that every single day, you've got a 24-hour period, and we all have it the same. Nobody else is given more or less in that. We're given a 24-hour cycle. And the idea of daily office is that somehow, someway, throughout your day, can you get back to that someone rather than just asking that someone for something? It is about focusing and centering yourself back on the one who is indeed worthy of it all. A great little book that I have really appreciated in my life uh, is called the, pra the Practice of the Presence of God by uh, Brother Lawrence. Fantastic little read, and the, really the essence of what this, this book is all about is actually this, is that uh, Brother Lawrence talked about how practicing the presence of God in one single act that does not end in your 24 hours. 
Now think about that. Practicing the presence of God that does not end in a 24-hour period. What in the world are you talking about, Brother Lawrence? He would go on to explain that the time that he would spend in communion with the Lord should be the same as when he was in the kitchen, that when he was on his knees in prayer before the Lord, or that he was conversing with one of the fellow monks in the monastery to which he belonged. He advocated that in all of those activities, you could practice the presence of God everywhere. You could practice the presence of God as you create your meal today in your kitchen. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? He can actually practice the presence of God when you are at your work and at your desk. You could practice the presence of God when you're at school and you don't know what's going to come next, but you could practice the presence of God. It was a game changer type of a book for me to read, and it's a very easy read. I would encourage you to take a look at Brother Lawrence, read some of his story. It is fantastic. But this first rhythm, this first rope of daily office, actually, I think it's something that you and I can do quite easily. In fact, all of us could take the daily office and we could apply it in our lives. It's the second one that I'm a little bit more worried about. And we'll get to that in just a quick moment, what that second rope will be. But this one shows us that we can do some things that could help us in our relationship with God. Remember that this is a regular daily remembrance of God. And it doesn't have to do with length. Because some people who follow Jesus, we get really caught up in the, in the oh, I didn't do this, what's the word? Enough. Or I need to do this more. Listen, those are dangerous games to get into. What we're talking about is how will you in your day just pause and reflect on the someone who is worthy? And that's what we want to encourage you with. Where are those pockets within the course of your day that you can get back to it. Truth be told, one of my rhythms earlier was that I would read my Bible in the morning and then I would say, God, I'll see you tomorrow morning again. Right? But this daily office has helped me to understand where I could pull God into my whole entire day that when I'm driving my vehicle and someone cuts me off, I could practice the presence of God. When I'm at home and my kids are driving me nuts, I can practice the presence of God. And when I'm making dinner or I'm cleaning up, I can practice the presence of God everywhere that I go. It means that I got to bring attention to it, though, to move forward. So here are a couple central elements to practicing the presence of God when it comes to daily office. Please understand, I have completely taken this from Pete Cesaro and the chapter in the book because I didn't want to change it. I think it's that good for us, and so I'm giving it to you as he has communicated. The first thing is you need to learn the art of stopping. What we're talking about here is simply just unhurried time and trust. Even in the middle of the day, even in the middle of the storm, even in the middle of the chaos, you can stop in pockets through your day and you could just reflect again on the someone. Whether it is a good or a bad situation, we all can stop and be unhurried in the day and give some time to God. And ultimately, it is about trusting Him even with our timelines and our schedule. Can you stop enough to trust God that if you give him his worship, that he will take care of you? Okay, now one quick note. You do not want to be stopping for 55 minutes of of every hour if you're doing a job. 
your boss is going to fire you really quickly. Well, my pastor told me I should. No, I didn't. Uh, but this idea is I'm, we're talking about just small pockets and, and, and insert them in. So whether it's at the end of a lunch or a coffee break, give them five minutes unhurried. Or if it's in the day where you get that news and it's like, oh, stop, take a breather and allow yourself to come back to God. So the second thing would be this idea of in those moments, center yourself. Now, again, this is, not this, this is not new age propaganda here. What I'm talking about is get to the word. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, just be still, stop, and know that I am God. Center yourself. Align yourself again back to truth rather than the lie that could be happening around you or the irritation that could be happening around you. Stop yourself and say, okay, God, here I am. The third thing that you're going to do is you're going to practice silence. Dallas Willard says this, and uh, he says that silence and solitude are the two most radical disciplines of a person. Silence and solitude. These are the things that we fear as believers. And what we have to do in the daily office is we have to get back to silence. How many of you love noise? I think everyone should put their hand up right now because we have noise all around us all the time. And it becomes a discipline to turn the noise off in daily office and allow God to speak. The fourth thing of the daily office that you need to practice and put into play is scripture. Meditate on scripture then. Perhaps the thing that you read that morning, call it back in to account through the rest of the day. Begin to meditate on it, think about it. And you're gonna notice that with those four elements that I gave to you, you're gonna find different tools and techniques to work with. You're gonna find your own rhythm. Your rhythm's gonna be different than mine and that's okay. But the only piece of advice I think that I could give to you with all of these tools and techniques is this, is that if it helps you, then do it. If it doesn't help you, don't do it. Except do not discuss disclude the word of God. You got to do that. Like that's an important one, right? But find what works for you and do it. So as I was talking to our preach team, I was asking them, what's your daily office? What are the rhythms that you do? And they were given fantastic ideas. So from our preach team, is a team of about five people. And, and these are some of the things that we kind of came up with as far as this is how we could maybe practice daily office. There was, you could listen to music perhaps. Perhaps you could go to um, Staples and grab I don't know why I plug Staples or any stationery store. Uh, you could go grab some post-it notes, write notes, put them in the most popular places that your eyes are going to begin to see. So whether it's in your bathroom or it's in the steering wheel of your vehicle or it's at your locker, whatever it would be, take some post-it notes and place things there that allow you to pause and to stop and to see. When trouble comes, you could take that pause. You could take a step back and be like, okay, I'm going to actually silence myself and just let God speak and breathe into me. Uh, someone talked about how they set an alarm on their phone, right, to show them every single day. I think it was 10.02, if I remember that story well. But 10.02, every day, an alarm goes off on their on their phone to practice the daily office. Another person said that when they walk outside, they basically literally ask God, and they say this, let your glory pass me by. I'm outside in your creation, so do something to me. There are several different things that you could do, whether it is in your limitations, your victories, if you're washing the dishes, you can practice the daily office. And you could get into that rhythm. One of my favorite parts of my own personal daily office is, a, is a, another tool and technique called daily examine, or examine, however you would pronounce it. What this is, is at the very end of my day, as I place my head on my pillow, my daily office is this, to now replay everything that went through the whole entire day. 
I ask God to show me the things that I missed. I ask God to um, uh, celebrate with me the things that we did. And I just center myself on his goodness for taking me through another day. And I be with the someone who allowed my day to have its existence. So there are many different things that you could do. That's the first rope. That's the first rhythm. Daily office. How could you put little pockets of time throughout your day where you practice the presence of God together? The second thing, and this is the harder one, is this word called Sabbath. And in the Hebrew word, Sabbath means to cease and to stop working. What I am talking about in the English translation of this is stop doing work for 24 hours. Neat, hey, how languages are. But this idea of Sabbath is the second rhythm and rope that you need to pull into your life if you are going to engage with what God has. This Sabbath refers to a unit of time around which we are to orient our entire lives as holy, meaning, separate, a cut above the six other days. I could prove that to you in Genesis chapter 2 account and the Exodus 20 account. What we are talking about here is that a Sabbath day is a holy day. That holy day is meant for you. And when we tamper with that Sabbath, we perhaps make it unholy in the things that God had intended it to be for us. May I ask us a question here today? But do you consider Sabbath an optional extra for you? Don't answer out loud. But do you consider it an optional extra? Because I actually think that when I say stop for 24 hours, and it's not me saying it, folks, okay? It's coming from the book. And it's coming from the one who knows what he is talking about. He is the one who's saying stop 24 hours from your work. So it's not even my suggestion. I want us to see that when God talks about Sabbath, this is a command from God. It is not a great suggestion. And this is very essential to your discipleship. I'm not hearing a lot of amens on that for some reason. I mean, remember I told you, like, this is a fish, like, swimming upstream right now. This is countercultural to what we live in today. But this is a command from God. In fact, this command in the list of 10 that comes out of Exodus 20. I mean, we love it. Don't commit murder. Okay, I'm with you. Don't commit adultery. All right, we could do that. Uh, you know, keep a Sabbath day. Ah, not with you on that. It's the longest explanation, too, when it comes to all of the things that God talks about in Exodus 20 because there's so much fullness to what God sees when we don't see it. Many of us are going to view this as the non-starter, as I said. You're going to communicate, I can't do this, but folks, listen to me, you can't afford not to. You really cannot. The rhythms of Sabbath that I am proposing, I guess, to us today, they're going to be different in your seasons of life, right? When you've got young kids, the Sabbath is going to look a little bit different. That's okay. Some of us work, and the Sabbath is going to be a little bit different. I understand that. But please understand this, that if you do not apply this rope and this rhythm of Sabbath, it's not going to magically happen later when you think time changes. This is something that we place into our lives today in order to honor what God is asking of us. Training wheels for walking with God. I like that word too. 
four elements that I want to give to you now in Sabbath. Number one, stop. You got to stop. And I realize that you and I, we struggle with this word. I got to tell you that in this last season, one of the things that we discussed in the very uh, first message of this series was what emotionally unhealthy spirituality could look like. And one of those phrases that we had investigated that day was knowing your limits. And this is what this is all about. When I fail to stop, I am not acknowledging the embracing of my limits. You know, I think that if I stop, then I'm not going to be able to see this done or accomplished. I think I begin to tell myself I only have so much time. And even the proud part of me is like, seriously, can this church function without my leadership right now? How crazy does that sound? And in stopping, we have to embrace our limits. Here's a secret for you. It's going to get done with or without you because God is bigger than you. And all he's doing is he's inviting you and I to stop and to find our spots with him. This is a little bit different um, than just having what we would typically call a day off, okay? This is not a day off. A Sabbath is meant to refocus and to reorient yourself along the things of God. One of my favorite quotes is coming from Eugene Peterson in this last season. And he says, for those of us that just take it and we look at it as a day off, he calls it a bastard Sabbath. The idea of Sabbath is meant for your rest. This idea is to realign yourself back to your creator and to know that it is going to be all right and that it's going to be good. You'll notice this one thing between the daily office that I talked about moments ago and Sabbath. The very first central element in each of these sections was what? Stop. And I want us to see this for just a moment because stopping is so essential here. We have a core spiritual issue in stopping. And it revolves around this word called trust. That when you do not trust, when you do not stop, I mean, you perhaps are not trusting what God has for you. And you could deal with him on that one. Not me. But it's a core spiritual issue when we choose not to stop. For me, when it comes to this idea of stopping, it's a Friday. Many of you are probably celebrating your Sabbath day today. Um, this is not a restful day for me and for all of our pastors. It's just not. So we don't practice Sabbath on Friday or on Sunday. We practice on Friday, most of us, and maybe some of us on the Saturday. But it is in this moment of stopping is that um, I literally block everything out. I block you out. I block life out. And I rest for 24 hours. Sometimes I'll practice that and I'll start it on a Thursday night if I don't have a meeting. And I'll take it to Friday night the next night. But I stop. And one of the best things that I could say to you as a church family is this. Is thank you for honoring our Sabbaths. Um, unless it's deathly. Don't come knocking and don't take it personal. We love you, but we're really more trying to practice the command that God gave to us as leaders as well. So we're not just talking a good game today. We're modeling it ourselves. And so thank you for when you protect our Sabbath, and especially for me. My Sabbath is a Friday. I love you, but I'll pick up the email on Saturday or the phone call that next day too. 
And so I appreciate how you help us in that. The second thing, the second element is rest. And in the Genesis account and in the Exodus account, here's my question is, what do you replace your time with at that moment? So let me ask you, when it comes to the rest of your Sabbaths, what do you delight in? What replenishes you? And that's what you are supposed to do now in those moments. Folks, please remember that you don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves you. God gave you the Sabbath so that you would find rest. Your best work is going to happen when you rest, when you honor him with what he has given to you. And I want you to know that when it comes to my rest, um, oftentimes it's not cleaning the dishes or taking care of the house. It's when I can get outside. It's when I can walk, when I can go golf. It's when I can read. It's when I can eat. I like to eat. Go figure. And it's awesome to just get out and rest and to find delight and an enjoyment within that. Takes me to the third core element for you in practicing your Sabbath. And it is the word delight. What do you delight yourself in today? What are the things that bring you joy? And I want you to go do that. Remember that God stopped after that sixth day and he made the declaration that it is good. Can you also get to that same place of saying, I've worked really hard for these six days and it's good. You know what? I can walk away from this right now because God's got it. He's in control of it. But then I can get to those things that give me great delight. And I love what Pete Cesaro says. He says, our culture, and he challenges us. He says, do not be delight deficient. Some believers are like this. Like, I, I can't take delight in this. That's not what I'm called to. I'm called to suffer and go through the trial. That's just true somewhat. But take delight in the things that are around you. Like God himself said, it's good. He stepped back and he's like, you look good. I like what I've done. Take delight yourself in Sabbath and see the things that are around you that you can delight in as well. One of the things that I delight in, especially when it comes to my Sabbath, is my wife. I love being with Lisa on my Sabbath. It's date day. When we do things together, um, oftentimes that's spent over going out and having a meal. It's one of our favorite things to do. And I take delight as we talk about how life is. I always like to be out in creation, whether it's on my kayak or in a trail. I take delight and I look around me. I take those words and I say, let your glory pass in front of me, Lord. Let me see, let me have delight in the things that are here. And the last thing I'm going to give to us today is contemplate. If this is a holy act before God, you and I need to take time to process, to meditate, to prepare ourselves. What is God saying to me on this day? What are the things that I can focus on? And I love that. I think it's a very valuable thing for all of our lives here today. One of the, the funny things that happened when we moved from Saskatoon to Victoria is I remember that first winter day where in Victoria, and see this, it snowed about this much on the ground. And the school called and said, canceled. <laughs> Our kids, we woke them up and we're like, go back to bed. School's canceled. They're like, what happened? What happened? It snowed. They got up they expecting feet, like a foot of snow, and they saw this. And they laughed out loud. They're like, are you kidding me? They're like, let it snow every day, Lord. <laughs> you know, like, but it's interesting in that, um, 
and I, I say that, say this, do you realize that God gives you a snow day every single week? It's called your Sabbath. In fact, God gives you 52 snow days a year to stop, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate. What a beautiful picture of our Savior. He sees how chaotic you are and how chaotic I am. He sees the storms that have come. And he has given us these two ropes of daily office and Sabbath. Are there others? Perhaps. But we're lifting up these two pieces today. And he's allowing us to live in these rhythms. Why? Because when you rest, when you daily office well, you will be able to operate in the fullness of what he's asked you to do and what he's asked you to be. Remind yourself today that the Sabbath is not, it's not a suggestion. It's a command from God. Get there. Work on it. What can you do today are my questions of thee. In daily office, how could you implement some of those rhythms every day? And what about Sabbath? Are you able to get to that 24-hour cease period so that he could fill you again? So that you could get up and you could look that storm in the eye and say, I'm moving through. God has for you and I stopping and resting as part of the emotionally healthy spiritual journey that he's called us to be. May I encourage you, do not be lacking in that emotion, lacking in that health, lacking in that spirituality when it comes to what he has for you. Stop rest. Guess what? He's got you. And he'll pick it up tomorrow morning when you get up again. Okay? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I ask that you would speak to um, all of us today about this topic. is is an important one. About stopping and resting. I ask today that you will help us again not to walk in any shame because that has nothing to do with you. But help us to, to catch the aha moment here today about what you desire and what you need from us in this moment. I pray for my friends that when it comes to daily office, you'll give us these rhythms that we need. When it comes to Sabbath, help us to get back to those things because it is for our own good that you have provided these moments. Help us today to practice the presence of God and the things that are around us. And we'll love you for that. We give you thanks for this time. Teach us, challenge us, I pray. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, perhaps um, you are here with us in the room or online, and you have never had a relationship with Jesus. I mean, one of the neat things that we've talked about this morning is that Jesus wants you to operate and live out of a place of rest. That's a pretty cool God, actually, who is for you in that respect. But maybe you don't have a relationship with him, and we'd like to introduce you to him. If you would, all you need to do is you need to text the word LIFE. To 250-478-7113. One of our pastors will be on the other side of that call. And we'd like to share with you more about what a relationship with Jesus could look like. So take advantage of that. In him, it's life-giving. It's full. And we invite you into that journey with us. The second thing is that on Tuesday or Wednesday, come and join Continue the Conversation. These are online forums right now, online connect groups. And you could get involved and have a discussion. And perhaps you'd like to talk about daily office and Sabbath, which is what we'll be talking about this week. 
So church, we love you. We hope that you have a great week. Remember, give to the Ukrainian Relief Fund. If you're brand new to the church, go visit Pastor Josh and James who are hanging out in the Welcome Center in the back over here. But have a fantastic week. Let's go daily office and Sabbath together. And we'll see you again next week as we continue the conversation with Emotionally Healthy Spirituality.